I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip. It's your brand new episode for this week. It's me, James, of course, joined by the wonderful Rob Lilly. Hello, everyone. How you doing? Good excitement levels today, Rob. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Don't know. Don't know why I'm so excited. It's just nice to be back, isn't it? <laughs> Junior Eurovision is just around the corner, less than two weeks away now. I don't want to take the the countdown responsibilities away from you because I know how much you enjoy personally giving us the 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 days and minutes until until you know Eurovision when it comes to the time and and Junior Eurovision. Do you do you have a Junior Eurovision clock? Uh, not off the top of my head, but I think, is it 11 days? If you're listening on Wednesday, it's 11 days to go. That sounds about right. You think, possibly. (laughs) Can I bring you something that I've been meaning to bring you for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and every week I forget, and then I go, I should mention it next week, and I'm actually going to mention it this week. Is it my birthday present? It's not your birthday present, no. Your birthday's for ages. Yeah, I'm still waiting for this year's, but let's move on. I think I'm still waiting for this year's and my birthday was in January. Thank you very much. (laughs) Anyway, this is basically a special shout out to Brad. I've been meaning to give Brad a shout out for ages because Brad got in touch at the start of the month. And you might remember weeks ago, we said on the podcast, this is, I think, when we did our kind of look back at 10 years of the Eurotrip. Well, when I first started the Eurotrip on student radio and we were basically asking for shout outs for anyone who is a day one listener. So like who listened to the podcast when me and you first created this beautifully formed pod that you're listening to right now. Is Brad a day one listener? Brad is a day one listener. Ah, wonderful. Isn't that nice? So Brad is at Manch, E-S-C-E-R on Twitter. So like Manchester, get it? Clever. Yeah, I like it. Clever. Uh, Anyway, yeah, uh, Brad got in touch basically and said an amazing episode after uh, your chat with Lee Smithhurst, actually. He said, day one listener here. Remember that quiz in the middle and the 90 (laughs) second news? Vintage crying emoji, which I replied from our account and said, 
I think you'll find you clearly mean the news in 90. Uh, the news in 90. Those are the days, the European quiz. Oh, remember the good old days of the podcast. Absolutely. But yeah, Brad, special shout out to you. I've been meaning to give you a shout out for weeks. Uh, so there you are. And if anyone else is a day one listener, feel free to get in touch because we obviously would love to hear from you. Absolutely. So let's get on with this week's episode of the Eurotrip. As you know, Alessandro always said, take it away. For me, Eurovision is much more than just a job. It's part of me. Giannis, let me say, we were your first ever Eurovision interview way back in January. <laughs> I remember! So Gisli Baltarsson, Iceland's commentator, welcome to the Eurotrip. Thank you very much and thank you for the Eurotrip. I've been listening to you. Being face to face, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> I was going to say, your beautiful face. <laughs> I was like, but it is cute. beautiful as well, though. We were talking on the phone. Yes. Do you want to have a hug? Yes, please. Yeah, that would be great. Cornelia Jacobs, congratulations. Thank you. Give me a hug. Hi there. My name is Martin Estadol. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week, to get ourselves in the mood for Melody Festival in 2023, we know the lineup is, I was going to say, on the way. At the time that you're listening to this, it'll already be out. We have a special Swedish-themed rewind to wrap up the series this week as we're heading back to the last time they hosted the contest in Stockholm. It is 2016. Yeah, I don't know if it's ever been voted officially the fans favorite Eurovision Song Contest of all time but I think unofficially (laughs) many will agree that it just was wasn't it there was so much about that year's contest that people love the presenters of course Petra and Mons the variety of music that year that iconic interval love love peace peace we'll be chatting about it all and we've got such a great array of guests to join us basically the who's who of Sweden just of Sweden entirely Rob <laughs> everyone the king's on no he's not that would have been good but yeah it really is like we've got Petra on haven't we we've got Edward Afsillen on who of course was was producing the contest back then Krista Bjortman's on we've got loads of people on the way in Rewind this week so make sure you stay tuned for that and we're sticking in the Nordics because we are also chatting Denmark but not as you would potentially expect No, there's a fascinating story that came to light over the last few weeks. Uh, So we're going to be bringing that to you if you have missed it. I'll keep you on your toes for another few minutes to see if you can figure out what that is all about. Yeah, it's a really, 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 really fun story uh, that will be brought to us by James's brother. But thankfully, I did the interview because otherwise it would have just sounded like James was having a conversation with himself. (laughs) So we've got all that and more to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. Back again, another episode of the Eurotrip podcast with you. Honestly, it feels like Eurovision is hurtling towards us at speed, especially because junior Eurovision is, as I said at the start of the episode, less than two weeks away now. Yeah, in about a month's time, we'll have had junior Eurovision. Ukraine will have chosen their artist. Albania would have chosen their artist. Yeah, Eurovision 2023 is, as you say, hurtling towards us far faster than I care to admit. And also, of course, because we've had the Melfest 2023 artists over in Sweden revealed this week, that means that Melody Festival isn't far away. And that means that Melfest Monday isn't far away, James. And that just makes me stressed. 
Yeah, and then by the time Melfest Monday's here, national final season is over in a blink of an eye, and then it's all eyes on Liverpool, and then in the blink of another eye, it'll all be over again. It just happens far too quickly for my liking. And we'll be looking ahead to Kishinau 2024. (laughs) Imagine if we are. Imagine if Moldova win the contest now, and I said it right here, right then. Somebody bookmark it. (laughs) I don't think it's likely, if you ask me. Uh, Thank you so much, by the way, to all of you who've been in touch over the last week, because we had some really interesting stuff, didn't we, on the podcast last week, if we say so ourselves. We had a bit of a chat about the voting on the episode last Wednesday. We also, of course, discussed the rumoured Melfest artists for 2023. Of course, you now know all of them. Uh, We'll be chatting, by the way, more about that in a very special bonus episode. Might you come for this tomorrow? That's right, we're back again tomorrow with Toby Eck from Afton Bladet once again and our friend Bella Fist. They'll be joining us to chat Melfest 2023. But on Friday, James, we then had a very special bonus episode, my extended chat with the executive producer of the 2020 and 2021 Eurovision Song Contest, Seat Sabaka. Yeah, and what a great chat it was as well. We love Seat. He'd been on the podcast a few times before in the run-up to the 2021 contest, and he was always really open about his role and about what was actually happening because he's been a member of the Eurovision community for so many years, as we found out on last week's episode. And thanks to everyone for, for getting in touch. Vince on Twitter, uh, we are at Eurotrip Podcast, by the way, for any of your thoughts. Vince got in touch and said, absolutely fantastic and insightful interview with Sita Baca about the 2020 and 2021 pandemic contest. <laughs> Honestly, the 2020 and 2021 stuff is always difficult to say. <laughs> Vince goes on to say, I love to hear the commitment and love for the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, absolutely. And Corey as well. We love Corey. Thanks for getting in touch, saying, uh, loved the long chat. Uh, 2020 and 2021 <laughs> was memorable in so many ways. And I always look back on it with so much pride. Yeah, absolutely. It was the first time the Netherlands were hosting a contest for, what was it, about 40 years? So it was a long time coming and they did a tremendous job. Yeah, they really, really did. No, thank you to Corey. Thank you to Vince for getting in touch. Thank you to Simon. He sent us a message on Instagram. Said, what an amazing interview with Seatzer. So many interesting insights. Thanks for bringing it to us, guys. Thank you very much, Simon. Really appreciate it. And another Instagram message that we got this week, sir. Would you like to hear it? Yes, please. I think I referred to you as sir there. Yeah, yeah. That's why I hesitated before I answered. So this comes courtesy of Susie, who got in touch with us over on Insta. She said, afternoon, lads. I'm currently listening to your current episode. Brackets, never miss one. And I'm three years in. Does that mean... Day one listener. Susie's also a day one listener. (laughs) I mean, we don't want to make Brad not feel special now. Anyway, Susie goes on to say, I just heard the email from your Canadian listener asking about Kino's new song, Knights of Thunder. Now, this is the email that Madeline sent us last week that we mentioned on the podcast. Anyway, this is now a shameless plug for Sizzy's podcast that I kind of promised that I'd I'd give so that we can <laughs> connect Madeline and Susie and then Madeline can can hear more about this song. So she started a podcast called Euro Riffs, the peripheral Eurovision podcast about six weeks ago, where they review new music of Eurovision artists after the contest ends, and then also dive into their back catalogue of new artists once they're announced. So they've already done uh, Mia and Dion for the Netherlands for 2023, apparently. Anyway, they're, they're reviewing Kino in an upcoming episode and we'd love to hear any suggestions for acts from us that uh, that Susie and the rest of the team over at the Eurofs podcast could could investigate further down the line. 
Oh, that's very good. A great idea for a podcast as well. Well, yeah, let's get thinking, you and I, Rob, and you listening at home as well. Any artist, we'll have to let them know. And it sort of feels like an episode of Long Lost Family. We're reuniting people, well, not reuniting, but uniting people in a way. feels like a good public service we're doing here for, for, for Madeline. It does. So yeah, Madeline, that is the Euro Riffs podcast for you and anyone else that, uh, that wants to find out more about Kano's new song, upcoming episode on the way. Uh, and also, Susie signs off by saying, did you know that DJ Bobo is still releasing new music? <laughs> <laughs> no, Susie. No, I did not. Maybe for good reason. No, thanks everyone for getting in touch this week. We love to hear from you. Uh, we are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. That music can only mean one thing, and it doesn't mean that James has just got a BBC breaking news alert on his phone. No, no, no! <laughs> it is time for the very latest news from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest, and James, you are back behind the news desk. I am, and I've got to tell you about this, actually. I got a text message from a friend of mine who who works at a radio station uh, in Newcastle. Uh, who You remember last week when you said you, sta- you were standing up last week to do the news? Mm. Well, a friend of mine uh, sent me a text at quarter to midnight saying, slightly random, but some live listening feedback for you. Uh, standing to deliver the news is definitely a winner. Haven't sat down for months and would never go back. I love that that was on their mind. At what quarter to midnight? Quarter to midnight. Seems to be listening at quarter to midnight. He's a newsreader on a radio station in Newcastle. So clearly, Rob, you've got the right idea. Or... Does that mean that given that they were listening at that time, were they going to bed? And are we so dull that they use us to get to sleep? Is that what happened? I'd love to know, actually, if you are, because I'm a podcast going to bed, sleep listener kind of guy. <laughs> are you? Do, uh, are we? Are we your bedtime listening once a week? I'd love to know. Please let us know. Get in touch. Um, but no, the news. I'm going to sit down. So sorry if it sounds a little bit lacklustre. But uh, we'll start with Sweden and Melody Festival, shall we? This was already in the script, Rob, but you've kind of given it away. <laughs> as you're listening to this, all 28 names for next year's competition have been announced. As we're recording, we already know half of them and actually have a pretty good idea about who the other half are uh, thanks to Toby and Steena's excellent work over at Aftonbladet and we'll be covering it all in a bonus episode later in the week. And by later in the week, you, tomorrow, it's not later, it's tomorrow. Oh yes, oh blimey, yeah, you keep my diary right for me, you're a PA, thanks Rob. Um, shall we hop across to Switzerland where the final stage of the song and artist selection for 2023 has begun. In round one, a national jury of 100 Swiss viewers listened and gave their feedback. The second round, which is where we're at now, is a jury consisting of 20 international jurors who have previously sat on the jury at the Eurovision Song Contest itself. So that's very exciting. That's coming to a close. Uh, Hopping across the border to Germany, and on Monday, the song submission window closed. So no word yet on how many songs were submitted, but a panel at the broadcaster will now be whittling them all down to just a handful to take part in a televised national selection early next year. Uh, A new date for your diary as well, if you're a San Remo fan. December... (laughs) You're a San Remo fan, is that the alarm? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Or actually, should the alarm be just... Just an Italian person shouting, Allora! That's all we seemed to hear when we were there. 
That sounds right. December the 4th, so that is this weekend, uh, that's when the artists competing in the, the de facto national selection for Italy will be announced. And the competition itself will be taking place from the 7th to the 11th of February next year. And then in San Marino, broadcaster RTV have stated that over 700 songs have already been submitted for its national selection, Una Voce per San Marino. Uh, artists have until the 20th of January to submit a song. 700 songs, Rob, already for San Marino. Is this when people say, I'd like to see the receipts? Because I, <laughs> I would like to see the receipts. Have there really been 700? Or has someone accidentally sat on a keyboard and like submitted the same song 149 times? Do you know what I mean? Is it really 700? Are they all songs? Yeah, do they, uh, maybe they actually just meant 70 and accidentally hit the zero <laughs> button. <laughs> One more time. And also, as we learned in San Marino last year, that's all pointless because then someone can come along from San Remo and just represent them anyway. Yeah, exactly. I'll add to that as well. Apparently, from 25 countries, those 700 participants have come from so far, which is a fairly remarkable admission. It is, yeah. I'd love to know more. Uh, if you're listening in San Marino and know more, let us know at Your Trip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, shall we move on then? We teased a story from Denmark, didn't we, at the start of today's podcast. And this is an adorable story, which we're going to be brought courtesy of your brother, which is very nice. And it involves a friend in London, band member or former band member, who represented, of course, Denmark back in 2011, uh, Tim Shue. Yeah, I love this story. I love the band. I love the song. I love 2011. This story is right up my street. Yeah. Now, we call him Tim Shoe. You might hear somebody else call him Tim Skoo, which is apparently the correct Danish pronunciation. But apparently Tim is okay with English speakers calling him Shoe. So that's what we're going to do. Anyway, so yeah, Tim represented Denmark with his band back in 2011. Great stuff. Anyway, fast forward a couple of years to 2013. And unfortunately, Tim finds himself on hard times. He really needs some cash. So he sells the guitar that he was playing on the Eurovision stage back in 2011. So he needs some money. He sells the, sells the guitar. Anyway, now fast forward to now. Tim is in a new band. Things are looking up a bit. And he decides, having not played New Tomorrow for years... He fancies playing it with his new band, with the encouragement, as we will hear, of one of his new bandmates. He decides that he wants to do it with the original Eurovision guitar. Now, James, I think you know where the story's going, because he was reunited with the guitar. How good is that? Honestly, it's such a feel-good story. In fact, should we stop talking, because I feel like everyone needs to hear the story in full. Yeah, absolutely. So this was brought to our attention by your brother Callum, who runs About the Contest, do loads of brilliant stuff over on there. Go check them out. Callum does the web address at the end, so I won't read it out for you now. But he got hold of this story. He'll tell me how in a second. So you're going to hear from Callum in a sec. James's brother. I did the interview, so it doesn't sound like James intrigue himself. And we'll also hear what happened when Callum caught up with Tim himself as well. Callum, let's kick off then. How did you first come across this incredible story? Um, I saw it on Facebook. It, Facebook's not something I go on very often. Um, but, you know, what the algorithm does, it kind of pushes the, the things that are getting the most attention up to the top of your feed. So when I went on, uh, there was this post that was in Danish from from Tim um, saying that he was um, 
looking to do a gig in in Copenhagen and that he that he was really looking to get his uh, guitar back that he performed with at Eurovision in 2011 with a, with a friend in London so there's this post on there um from him basically saying look I've got this itch to to play with this guitar again play new tomorrow again and I'm I'm looking to looking to get it back cuz he he'd sold it uh, in 2013 and he couldn't remember who he'd sold it to or if that person had sold it on so it was this big kind of campaign that he'd put out on Facebook to to get it back and it had so much interaction it had about a hundred odd shares by the time I'd seen it about four or five hours after he'd posted it and I just thought I've got to keep an eye on this because it, it could be, either be a romantic story of him getting it back or it could be a kind of a tale of disaster of him never seeing the guitar again. Now, you reached out, didn't you, to Tim, having seen this post, and you actually were able to have a chat with him. First off, how was he? Yeah, he was great, yeah. So after he'd posted that on Facebook, about it was only about two or three days later he posted that. Cause I think we've all probably seen that image of him holding the, the Fender guitar up and he's smiling away with, you know, with glee in his eyes. So he posted that a couple of days later, and I saw that, and I thought, oh, this is this is... That was that miracle that I was kind of mentioning before. So I reached out on Instagram, just said, look, what a great story. You know, are you willing to have a chat? And honestly, he was he was so gracious. He got back in like five minutes. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, he just said, yeah, um, I've got a gig on Saturday. I think I messaged him on the Thursday or the Friday. And he said, I've got a gig on Saturday, rehearsing with the band at the moment. Um, let's, let's chat again next week. So we did set up a little Zoom chat and um, yeah, it was great. Um, sometimes you, you know yourself, you know, when you're, you you sit down and interview somebody who you've never really spoken to before. You, you never know kind of what you're going to get. You've maybe seen some interviews from them in the past or seen them on the television or heard them on radio. And you've kind of got an idea of kind of what the persona is. But sometimes you might think, oh, are they going to uh, keep that up? Or are they going to have a different persona when you speak to them? But he was so gracious and he was so kind and he was interested in me. He had the guitar in his hand as well when, when, when we were chatting. He was in his little home studio. Um, in Copenhagen, and he and he had the he was holding on to the guitar with dear life. Well, let's have a listen to, to that chat that you had with Tim. You have so generously popped over the audio for us here to to have a listen for everyone tuning in. So yeah, let's have a listen to some of what happened when you caught up with him. I guess it was like in two thousand and seven. I remember I was we were in the studio, we were recording an EP or something like that. Um, so this is four years before the the Eurovision. And um, and the producer uh, owned this guitar and uh, and he sold it to me. And it was my like my my first actual real baby. Yeah, it's an American vintage from 62. And um, and then we did the, the whole Eurovision thing and, and all the, the rest is history. Um, but yeah, then in 2013, I uh, I sold it because, well, you know, like as many other struggling artists go through their careers. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm so fucked right now. I need money. And so I looked around in my, in my space and I was like, what do I got that's worth money? And I was like, huh, well, maybe, maybe this, this guy will have to <laughs> do it for me. And, um, and so I did, but what was really magical about this sale for me was that apparently I had sold it to a guy that decided to just stick with this guitar for nine years and just almost just like keep it and hold it for me until I was ready to one day get it back. And the thing is, I had forgotten all about who I sold it to. And I didn't know how to like find this person. And I couldn't find it in my nine years old messenger texts or whatever. So I decided to just 
try my luck on Facebook. I know you you post on Facebook about we're, we're in we're in Danish, so I had to kind of Google translate them to kind of figure yeah, out yeah, what, yeah. what was going on. But you know, I could follow what was going on. But it happened within days, didn't it? Because you put a post out saying, "Look, it, I'm doing this dude. gig in a couple of weeks. Um, I really want to find the guitar. I think I sold it to this guy, but I'm thinking he might have sold it on." But then people just were commenting and commenting, and then suddenly you posted again saying she's back. So how did it come around yeah. so quickly? It was literally, I, I guess, within like a couple of, I mean, not even a couple of hours, the post was uh, shared, I don't know, like 70, 70 times or something. And um, and that, you know, the post must have ended up with the with the guy who, who had the guitar. And uh, he quickly just commented and said, hey, hey, Tim, I'm, I'm right here. What do you what do you need? <laughs> and did he did he did he um, make you spend any money on it? Or did he just say, look, here's your easy guitar uh, yeah, yeah yeah so so what what's going to happen now is that i'm gonna go and get the guitar checked because it does have a bit of a it has a loose connection somewhere inside of it so so i need to make sure 100 percent uh before i actually purchase it with with money mm-hmm. um i'm gonna make sure that that it's uh, able to fix that i'm able to fix it i'm pretty sure i am able to fix it and um and and after spending like after Saturday we played the concert and after playing it even though it does have the crackles and like some some um um some fall um yeah some some foul play to it uh I'm pretty sure that if so today I'm actually right after this interview I'm gonna go to to the guitar guy and um and see if he can fix it and even and I can feel now if he comes back and says to me Tim it is what it is there's this little crack cracking sound i can't fix it i'm still probably gonna purchase it because because it just it feels it feels wrong now to give it away (laughs) so callum it's so nice to hear from tim there you described so beautifully before we heard from him that he was chatting to you with the guitar in hand and so nice that he is now performing New Tomorrow again, that Eurovision song from many, many years ago now when he represented Denmark, because it had been quite a long time since he'd actually played the song. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he, hadn't, he hadn't played the song for, yeah, but I think, it was, I think he said it was about six or seven years, so a couple of years after he'd got rid of the guitar back in 2013. And yeah, he just a few weeks ago, he just... He, he said that he, you know, he texted the mem- other members of his kind of touring band that he's got, and he said, you know, I've got this weird itch that I want to play New Tomorrow again. And um, I think it was his, uh, another member of the band. I think it's his bassist who, um, who was only about ten or eleven when the song actually came out, who said, you know, it would be like legendary for him to play that song on stage live with Tim himself. Um, and he, he ended up playing it for the first time. Yeah, like I said, in, in about six or seven years with the guitar. Um, but it didn't all it didn't all go to plan um, when when he was performing with it. Yeah, go on, go on. You've got to tell us about this. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a video on his Instagram story. I think it was his story. I don't think he posted the video to his his main feed. Pro- probably, yeah, he probably shouldn't have because it was a bit embarrassing what happened. He, um, do you know when when you're at a gig and you, those sort of sound monitors, those amps at the front of the stage that sometimes music, musicians jump on? Um, well, he jumped on one of them with a the guitar in hand to kind of do this big jump of a finale of a song and uh as he sort of went to jump lost balance slipped backwards and his head smashes right off the uh the the, the kick drum of the drum kit behind him oh no classic i mean i feel like if i was 
in a band. That's exactly what I'd do, but I'm never going to be cool enough to be in a band, so that's probably not a problem I have to worry about. <laughs> Likewise. But he was he was fine. He was fine. I did ask him about it. Um, he said there was a little bit of blood, but nothing to worry about. And, uh, yeah, doctor said he didn't have a, uh, a concussion or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah, he's fighting fit. He is fighting fit, thankfully. How very rock and roll. Uh, Callum, it's been so brilliant to have you on the pod, of course, given that I have to speak to your brother every week. So it's nice to have you on. <laughs> Callum, of course, you are, well, for a start, you are the man who does a brilliant job of writing up our articles over on newstrippodcast.com. So let me give thanks to you for that here on the podcast. And secondly, people can find you and all of your brilliant stuff where? Aboutthecontest.com. And you can follow along on Twitter and Instagram at aboutthecontest. Brilliant. Callum, thank you so much for chatting. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Rob. Thanks. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to The Eurotrip, your favorite Eurovision podcast. When you aren't listening, find us on social media at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. Hello, it's James this time. I know I sound similar, <laughs> but it's definitely James. Hiya, Rob. <laughs> yeah, this is a real life. I was going to say a word that we can't really say. Mind. Uh, mind it? boggle. Mind boggle. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. It's a bit of a mind boggle having now heard Callum and now you. <laughs> what a great story, though. Hopefully you enjoyed that just as much as we did, because when Callum was telling us about it, we thought we have got to feature this on the podcast because we know so many of you listening will love it just as much as we did. So hopefully you did. Yeah, nice, nice, uplifting, warm story for you there in the run up to Christmas. A nice little, nice little festive story for you. And obviously, you can see where this is going now. Given that Tim was reunited with his guitar, we would like to hear from you. When have you been reunited with something you thought you'd previously never see again? And bonus points if it's Eurovision related. Oh, very good one. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I'm trying to think, have I got anything like that? Well, I remember I went to Turin this year and somebody stole my laptop and uh, that's still yet to be reunited. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if uh, if this results in me and you getting my passport and your laptop back, that will be impressive. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, we're all ears. Let us know, when have you been reunited with something you thought you'd previously lost? And bonus points if it is Eurovision related. At Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or send us an email if it's a lovely long story. Hello at EuroTripPodcast.com. But you know what time it is. Rob, shall I say it? Shall you say it? Shall we say it together? It's Let's time to re- rewind. Well, I, I, oh, <laughs> that's, that's why we don't do it together. 
final rewind of the season. I know, sad times. But we are going out in style this week as we are heading to Stockholm and Eurovision 2016. Now, as for what was happening in the world back then, in January, astronaut Tim Peake conducted the first spacewalk by an official British astronaut stepping outside the International Space Station. I enjoy, by the way, that official here is in, like, inverted commas, which makes it sound like there have been some fake British astronauts (laughs) that have done spacewalks in the past. (laughs) Anyway, a month after the contest, so obviously the contest in May, so this is in June, you might remember, England crashed out of the European Football Championships to Iceland, much to the delight of Iceland's excited commentator. What a timely time to bring that up as we are in the middle of the the World Cup at the moment. But moving on from football to Eurovision, of course, uh, that's why we're here. And the contest was heading to Sweden for the second time in just three years. Lorene's win earlier in the decade had brought the contest to Malmö, but with Mons Elmerlöf's victory in Vienna, Sweden were hosting again, although this time it was in the capital of Stockholm. Now, we've been lucky enough to chat to the man responsible for much of Sweden's success in recent years here on the podcast. And I think you know exactly who we're talking about. It's, of course, Krista Bjorkman. Now, he told us more about what it was like organising two editions of Eurovision so close to one another we got the opportunity to actually win so close to, to each other, the, the years, that we could use the experience from 13 and to avoid almost every mistake in 16. And it was such a brilliant, smooth ride. And we, we also, I mean, nailed, I, I think, lots of the things in the show that could be problematic when you do it for the first time. So, I, I, of course, that, that's sort of one that sticks out. The next big decision, of course, would be who would host? Who would be the presenters? Well, on the 14th of December, it was announced that the previous year's winner, Mons, of course, would do the honours alongside the already legendary host, Petra Merda. She did so for the second time after presenting by herself back in 2013. Now, we will hear from Petra herself on being asked to host the show again in a moment. But first, here's just a taste of that duo in action back in May 2016. And when we reach the end of the show in approximately three to eight hours, we will have a new champion. And the reigning champion, Mons, will go back to being just Mons Selmerlöv again. And do you know, do you know, Mons, what that means? Yes. I can eat carbs again. Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> woo, woo. <laughs> I, I, I could never foresee this. It was, I, I, but the thing is, I think that proposal came quite early, earlier than, um, the first time. So, I mean, Christer and Martin and Edward, has they have to speak for themselves because I don't know how the decision was made, but I think they made the decision quite early because they got in contact with me and, and Mons. I don't know who was asked first, but I think that both Mons and I just screamed yes because, you know, we just... Uh, we haven't worked that much together since 2009. 
nine, but you know, we've known each other and, um, and I think he's so much fun. He's, uh, he's a comedian, just as I'm a singer, not, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, and once we started singing, uh, oh no, sorry, rehearsing, uh, we just, you know, we just knew that this is going to be so much fun. And I hope that that also uh, went through the, the 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 TV screen that people could see because I think that if you see two people having fun and then that they enjoy each other, that makes everything so much easier and you kind of uh, get into the same mood as they are. Oh, they were such good presenters, weren't they? Of Eurovision, what a dream it would be to have them back. And you won't be surprised as well when I tell you we'll hear more from them too a little bit later on. Now, the contest, of course, in 2016 was actually taking place in the Globen, which I think came as a bit of a surprise. People thought maybe the Friends Arena might have it. That's where the Melody Festival and final takes place now. But the Globen, of course, the same venue as the Eurovision Song Contest of 2000, which makes it one of the very few places, or very few venues, rather, that has hosted the contest more than once. James, 10 points if you can name another one. Oh, um, I don't know. BBC Television Centre. Oh, that probably is one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good thinking, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say the Albert Hall. I think that's another one. But yeah, well done. All right. I got my Eurovision credentials back after the last few weeks. Uh, now then, on to the songs. The host nation were represented by Franz and his mid-tempo ballad, If I Were Sorry. But let's fast forward to song number 16. Yeah, Australia, of course. Back at Eurovision, or back performing at Eurovision, or back competing at Eurovision, rather, for the second <laughs> time. Now, of course, they had been represented by Guy Sebastian for the first time back in 2015. This year, 2016, they were represented by former X Factor Australia winner, Dami Im, with her song, Sound of Silence. Here she is performing that entry, followed by what happened when Dami told us about the performance when we spoke to her back in 2021. So I was so much more nervous for the semi-final. I don't think I've ever been more nervous in the performance ever before, even afterwards, ever. But that was just crazy. And then in the grand final, I was sort of more relaxed. I was like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. This is such a great opportunity. I didn't get to enjoy it so much in the first one. but. I went really well, so I'm just going to enjoy it. And honestly, I think the audience was so enthusiastic and I could hear them roaring and cheering on, cheering me on as I got on stage. So I think I just enjoyed and just soaked up all the fun in that second, the final performance. Goes without saying, doesn't it, that we will have more on Dami and Australia when we get to the voting. That could be a sentence that we take from the 2023 contest, couldn't it? Interesting. Yeah. Rumours. Rumours. They are swirling. Uh, Next up for us, though, we are going to go to song number 25, which was a good draw for the United Kingdom. Uh, Joe and Jake were singing for the UK after winning the first edition of a new selection show, Eurovision You Decide, with their song, You're Not Alone. As you remember, I made a trip to the... Kentish Town Forum, I think it was for the for uh, for yeah the first edition of Eurovision. You decide. I remember it. I remember it well. 
Now, Jake, Shake Shaft from the duo, Joe and Jake, uh, gave us a really honest interview uh, back in 2021 about his experience at the contest. And you'll hear some of it shortly. But first, here are the boys performing on the night. You're not alone. went on that we went on blue peter like leading up to the show one of the guys we were working with on blue peter gave us the best advice honestly we've said it in quite a few interviews but it's genuinely true he said to us remember to remember and i thought that sounds quite strange at face value but it's genuinely true um when we went for the eurovision final the first thing we tried to do was right let's not think about this let's not think about this let's look out there look at these people focus on the cameras and all that kind of thing and remember all the experiences so we can talk about it in years to come and retain everything. It really was such an honest interview. I know you said that before we heard from Jake there. So if you do want to go and listen back, I would urge you to, because it is just the realities of what it's like to be kind of thrust into the Eurovision spotlight arguably before you're ready, I suppose. But they, they did a good job. You know, I don't think they expected themselves, well, a year or so before that, that they'd find themselves on the Eurovision stage representing the UK in Stockholm and winning you decide. But uh, but they did. So well done to Joe and Jake in the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, do go back and listen to that. It's um, a really insightful interview from a, from a Eurovision artist. But uh, it's time for song number 26, the last song of the night. It was Armenia, Iveta Makuchian with Love Wave. One of my favourite Eurovision songs, that. Love Wave, Yvette Makuchian. And no, not for that reason, you weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a really, really good song. I think the staging is absolutely fantastic. And I didn't realise that that's where we were segging to. But that's a happy accident, isn't it, Joe? Yeah, it is. Speaking of the staging, the creative design for that performance came from the now legendary stage designer, Sasha Jean-Baptiste. She staged four performances in 2016, and she's gone on to have creative control over Alini Ferreira, Cornelia Jacobs, and Luca Hani's staging at the contest. Here's what Yvette Mukuchian herself told us about Sasha. She is, I mean, she was the right person to work with. She is delivering, fem, I mean, she's feminine. She, she, she really pulls out the strong, um, sexy, hot women. She, she puts everything right together with the lights, with the motion. Every, every hand move was just scripted by her. And I'm just very grateful that I had the opportunity to work with her. And please, before we heard from Iveta there, that you only read out three of the people that <laughs> Sasha has gone on to work with, because otherwise I think we would have been here all day. And Iveta Mikuchian James, of course, one of the hosts of this year's Junior Eurovision Song Contest. Indeed, yeah, it goes full circle, doesn't it? How nice. Uh, but that's it then for all of the 26 performances from the grand final. The voting then opened and it was time for perhaps the most iconic interval acts of all time. I think 
you know what we are talking about. When you think of Eurovision Interlaps, maybe Riverdance used to come to mind. Maybe it still does. I think it definitely still does for a lot of the people we spoke to on our series of The Contest and Me a few months ago. But after 2016, Love, Love, Peace, Peace is surely the most well-known interlap and the most well-loved. Now, back in Turin, I managed to catch up to the Swedish TV director at the contest. He's now Sweden's commentator as well at the Eurovision Song Contest, Edward Afsillen, and he was partly responsible for that iconic performance. They're the nicest people in the world, and we're friends from so long ago, both me, Petra, and Mons. I count them as family, to be honest. So the, the second it was decided we could do it together, I took them to my apartment. We cooked food. Mons brought wine, because he knows wine. Petra brought nothing, as, as usual. And we ate, and we drank wine, and we watched Eurovision clips. And we watched the clips we loved, we watched clips we didn't love. And we just together sort of... Uh, pinpointed what we wanted to do and what we wanted the 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 atmosphere and the tonality to be. It was just a wonderful night, and from that on, we just we just had fun together. I mean, what can we actually say about that? that has, that's never been said before. I mean, not a lot. Should we move on? <laughs> <laughs> I think we should, honestly. A quick, a quick word on it, though. It genuinely is the most iconic interlap of all time. I know Riverdance has gone off on to do great things, but Love, Love, Peace, Peace, iconic. Iconic. And one of those things that, again, we always say, like, transcends the contest. Like, even if you're not a Eurovision fan, but sometimes you sort of watch Eurovision, people know about Love, Love, Peace, Peace, don't they? And the one thing that I would love to know more about, and I've never been able to ask anyone about, imagine what that must have been like backstage, just before those performers all went on stage to take part in that performance. Because one, there were so many people involved. And two, there were so many props. So how that all fitted in the Globen before it then ended up on the stage. Very impressive. So well done to all of the stage hands involved in that as well. <laughs> the unsung heroes. Uh, now, let's turn our attention to the voting. Now, in 2016, host broadcaster SVT helped make some changes to the voting sequence. The public and the juries would now have a separate set of points to distribute, meaning double the points were now available. The national spokespeople would now just be announcing the points from the juries. And after those points had been given out, Dami Im from Australia was sitting on top. That was so intense and so fun. Oh, not fun, but like, yeah, it was good for me because like we were getting lots of points and I honestly didn't know how it was going to go, but we kept having great points and the cameraman kept filming us because we were at the top and it was just, you know, parties and celebrations. And then um, Paul, our, our Australian delegation was like, just don't don't get too excited because you, you know it's it, it, you can come off as you know you don't want to upset other people but I was just like oh my gosh I didn't know this was gonna happen this is so cool um and we were just really enjoying it yeah well she obviously wasn't the only one feeling nervous by 2016 Dia Norberg had been a backing singer for 12 different Eurovision performances and on the grand final night in 2016 in Stockholm she provided vocals for not one country but two she did so for both Azerbaijan and 
Damien and Australia. The voice is fine because, you know, when, when I've done a Swedish Melody Festival and as a house choir, you're almost on every song and you change clothes in one minute. So Eurovision is not a, at all as stressful, but it's more of a team thing. You know, where should I sit? Should I sit with Azerbaijan in the sofa and share with them? Or should I sit... Uh, with Australia and she's almost winning we need to sit there maybe we need to go up on stage again and you know so it's more of a stressful feeling that you can't be really exclusive to one artist so that's uh, that's the bad part of doing more oh great to hear dear Norberg again on the podcast we're big fans of her aren't we Rob Big fans of Dear Norberg, and we've mentioned Melody Festival in a lot on this episode. We'll mention it again an awful lot more in our special bonus tomorrow, and I'm sure we will probably hear from Dear again once the Melfest 2023 season kicks off. So then, to the public vote. We mentioned earlier that the jury and the public vote were now split in half, and they would be delivered separately. Here's Pedro and Mons again to explain how it would all work. We are about to present the televotes. Those are the votes from you watching at home. And you have the exact same amount of points to give out as the juries. All of your points at home from each and every country have been added together and we'll present them from the lowest to the highest to find out which song was your favourite. Initially, it sounds like it might be a little bit confusing, doesn't it? But now we've known it for years and years and years and we know the excitement it brings... I'm here for it. It is fantastic. I say I'm here for it. Obviously, we know it's changing a bit in 2023, (laughs) but you know what I mean. Yeah, the actual sequence of it is just great television. It keeps you on the edge of your seat, doesn't it? Yeah, it really, really does. Well, after 25 of the countries had received their televotes, Ukraine were on top with 534 points, and only Russia were waiting for their points. Here's what happened when Mons delivered the final results. Thunder and lightning, it's getting exciting. The favourite, according to the televote, is Russia. But will their points be enough to pass Ukraine? 361 points! Which is not enough to pass Ukraine! What a tense end to the show. We just mentioned that it's a great piece of television, that voting sequence, and it paid off for the first year because it came right down to the wire. We didn't realise it then, but that would be the first time that we saw that like iconic split screen that you end up with, don't you, when it gets to the, the climax of the voting. And mad that the UK was part of that split screen this year, of course. But yeah, Sergei Lazarev and Jamal are on the split screen. And of course, we, we know what happened. Yeah, so that was, of course, Jamal representing Ukraine, who took their second of three Eurovision victories to date with 534 points, uh, without winning either the jury or the public vote, interestingly enough. Uh, Damien for Australia came second. Sergei Lazarev, as Rob just mentioned, for Russia came in third. Then Bulgaria and Sweden came home fourth and fifth. Uh, and just to wrap up a few loose ends... Uh, uh, to a few loose ends, Iveta Makuchian for Armenia finished seventh, and then Joe and Jake for the UK finished twenty fourth out of twenty six. Now that brings to an end the final rewind of the current series. So I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you for all of your lovely messages about it, and maybe rewind will return once more 
in the future. But to end, of course, this look back at Eurovision 2016, there is only one thing we can do. Let's hear the winner. It's Ukraine and Jamala with Like what you're hearing? Make sure to leave us a review and a rating whenever you're listening. Rewind has been a boatload of fun. I've loved taking a deep dive into some of our favourite contests, some of the contests that we've never seen before, especially 1980 and the 1993. Hopefully you've enjoyed it just as much as we have. Uh, we've got one more thing to do before we wrap up today's episode. Of course, it's the one second song, Rob. Yeah, now I can properly, properly extend my lead here this week. Although, having said that, we had a very surprise full house from you last week. Yeah, can you remember the point situation? Because I, I genuinely, genuinely can't. I can. It is eight points to me. It is five points to you. Okay, so I haven't got a chance to sort of claw back because I've chosen the song for you this week, Rob. Of course, you playing at home. You can play along every week. Can I then? Can I hear it? Let's do it. Here's this week's one second song. <laughs> very good, very good, very good. I think, I think I've got it although having now said that the name of the act has completely disappeared from my head as has the name of the song this is a worry oh no this is worrying (laughs) so a quick reminder if you're playing along at home you're looking for the artist the song title the country represented and the year it took part in the eurovision song contest let me play it one more time for you okay 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 this is embarrassing because i actually interviewed them earlier this year which hopefully gives away what year I'm about to say. (laughs) I believe, James, this is Georgia 2022. I've got it. It's Circus Mercus and lock me in. Tremendous stuff. It's four points. Excellent stuff. That was a bit like a cockerel, but I liked it. Show me what you got. On the count of, from the ground up now, here we come as we are now, mama said let you show what you are, step it up now, get it done now, I hate what you got, shoot it to the stars, to the top now, cross the moon and down, we're here till we blow up, trying hard we'll not get you really far, mix it up now, it's a right power. Yeah, very well done. Another four points to your name. Remind us then again of the scores. So it's uh, 12 to me and five to you. And I don't want to rub it in, but I'm pretty sure I've got all three full houses this year. I think you need to make it a bit a bit trickier. Uh, there, was a, there was a link to this week's episode, if you can get it. Right, Georgia. Uh, Georgia 2022. What did Georgia do at Eurovision in 2016? Ah, um, didn't we give, didn't the UK give uh, their 12 
the jury, the UK jury, gave Georgia 12 points in 2016. The song was called Midnight Gold. This is just me rambling some thoughts, and I, I don't, I don't know what the link is. Uh, I don't know if this is an official link, but uh, there was a rumor earlier this year that one of the members uh, of Georgia's act in 2016 was actually a member of Circus Mercus this year. I'd not heard that rumour, that's fun. Oh, please, I don't say I've made that up. <laughs> Is that slander, if I've made it up? <laughs> I mean, you won't, you won't say any bad things, I think you're okay. That's a fun rumour if true. Which rather had all the masks on and all that sort of thing. Surely that's right, do let me know. Uh, but that uh, brings us to the end of this week's episode. Well, this week's first episode. Of course, we'll be back with you tomorrow for the Melody Festival and bonus as we find out all the 28 names that are going to be competing in next year's competition. Yes, me, James, Bellacvist and Toby Eck with you all being well tomorrow for that little Melfest bonus. So Melfest Monday fans, stay tuned. So in the meantime, you can keep up to date with us online. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. And you can read all of our exclusive stories over on EurotripPodcast.com. And make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. Let's go for shoe. Shoe like the pastry. Shoe like the pastry, yeah. Exactly. Or shoe like the shoe. <laughs> As, yeah, you did that. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.